0: Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike.
1: One of the things when you see somebody, maybe a boss walking out the door or something like that, and you see somebody and you're going, yeah, I knew he had it coming, and you sitting sitting there gloating, you better pray to God that that guy doesn't get reinstated back in his job because you're going to be the first one to go. Be careful about saying bad things about people. Because it can come back to you, and if Shimei and 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 Ziba had just said, "Well, hey, we're here to help, and uh, we don't know what the whole situation is," hey, they would have probably been, been rewarded and been something in David's new kingdom, a uh, new new administration. But instead, they thought, "Well, this guy's going down, and we're going to just stick the stick in and really, really rub it in." Friends, that is not God. That is not Christ, and don't ever do it. Yeah, he had it coming. Yeah. Always remember this: there by the grace of God go I. And again, you just always want, when you see somebody that's less fortunate than you, or somebody's got caught up in something, you know what you want to do? You want to pray for them. That's what the Bible says, pray for your enemies. See, and the reason why is because, again, it'll it'll keep you from copping an attitude. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't don't see what the big deal is about praying for my enemies. I don't get it. Do you know what praying for your enemies does? It keeps you from copping an attitude. Yeah, well, he had it coming, or she had it coming. I knew that was the kind of girl she was, or the kind of guy he was. But you know, when you're praying for somebody, God always reminds you, there by the grace of God, go I. You know, that could have been me. And had I walked a mile in their shoes, maybe I would have done not only what they did, but a, a whole lot worse. And, and so what it does is it keeps our heart where, where we, our posture towards God is right. You know, a lot of times people think that prayer is always about somebody else. But you know what, friends? A lot of times prayer, as I study the scriptures, simply means to align your will with God's will. And, and, and so, again, looking at that and and, and and understanding the principles of what God is doing, we find now the foolish things that both Ziba and, and Shimei did. Now, again, David was a man after God's own heart. And again, that's a very good thing for both Shimei and Ziba. Because if it wasn't, both of these guys would be dead. So he goes on and he says, Ferry went across to carry over the king's household, verse 18 again, and to do uh, uh, what he thought good. Now Shimei fell down before the king when he had crossed over the Jordan and said to the king, Now you got to remember, this guy said the nastiest, meanest, most corrosive things that you could say. And David, again, is running for his life by night, trying to get away from Absalom. And you got Shimei coming along, saying all these mean, nasty things. And so Shimei falls down before him. And he said to the king, Do not let the Lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. <laughs> was just kidding. (laughs) Don't take it to heart. I was just a fooling. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here am I the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my Lord, the king. But Abishai, the son of Zorah, answered and said, shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed The Lord's anointed. Now, uh, Abishai was the same guy that wanted to cack him the first time. He was spouting his mouth off. (laughs) And so he says, now let me give it to him. (laughs) And David said, what have I to do with you, son of Zerah, that you should be adversaries of me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For I do not know that today, for, for do not I know today that I am king over Israel? He said, nobody's going to die today. Therefore, the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. Now, friends, again, I look at this and I see something again. David was a man after God's own heart. Shimei came and confessed his sins and David forgave him. Now, I look at that, friends, as a very important thing. Because the thing is, what is Shimei anyway? That he couldn't have just said, cut his head off. But you know what? David had mercy on him. And, and, and again, friends, I, I see that, that have mercy. You know, the Bible says, if you show mercy, mercy will be given unto you. But, but if you're always going around looking for a pound of flesh, when somebody's ripped you off, I, I guarantee you, uh, it's gonna come back and bite you and eat you up. Um, I'm not saying that we turn our, our face the other way when somebody's doing something wrong, but I'm saying when it's found out, you, you do what you can do to restore and bless and heal. That's what the Bible says we're to do. And so it says the king swore to him that he would not lose his life. Now verse 24. Now Masibabeth, this next one. Masibabeth, the son of Saul, and actually it was the grandson of Saul, you might say, came down to meet the king. And he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day that he came back in peace. So he must have been a real sight. He probably looked like a homeless hippie. Because, you know, he didn't do anything with to himself until the king came back. And by the way, that would show David that Mishibbeth really was in grieving. In those days, you would show your grief by certain things you did or didn't do. That's why, again, oftentimes you'll find where the king washed his face and changed his clothes and came out in public. Well, that was to kind of hide the the grief that they had gone through or whatever. Well, here you find, interestingly enough, that that Mesibibeth, uh very very obviously was uncared for, and, and 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 that way. So so in other words, he couldn't just say, "Oh, king, buddy, old pal, you know, I was always rooting for you." But he was all clean-shaven and like nothing ever happened. But when he saw him, it wasn't the Missybibeth he recognized when he left. All nice, good-looking, you know, all those kinds of things. Everything all trimmed up, clothes clean, all those kinds of things. Uh, Missybibeth looked like a wreck, which showed that he was in grief. And you got to know that that, even though it looked pretty weird, probably it was one of the neatest things that David saw and so it says that he stayed that way until the day that, king, that the king came back in peace. And so it was, when he'd come to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mesibbeth? Because now remember, Ziba had told him that Mesibbeth did not go because Mesibbeth was actually thinking he was going to be returned to be the king and, and Absalom was going to help him and, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, and, and lied horribly about... So he asked him, why didn't you go with me? And so Mesibabith answered, my lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king because your servant is lame. And he slandered your servant to my lord, the king. But my lord, the king is like an angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. Uh, He knew that Ziba had betrayed him. And he said, King, you do what's right in your eyes. But you see, his countenance showed that Mesibabeth was telling the truth. And I want to tell you something. Your countenance and your relationship with God shows who you are too. It's not something you turn on and turn off. It's something that you are. And you know what? you would be around people for a while. They can fake it for a while. But then who they really are really begins to show up. And you know what? When you really look at somebody's life and you don't see much fruit in it, or the fruit that's in it is really somebody else's. I can tell you something. There's something wrong with their relationship with God. Uh, you, you find it all the way through. The only kingdom Absalom had is the one he stole from his father. The only, the only thing that that um, Ziba had is what he took from his master. But Ziba's lie did not cover the truth of who Mesibabeth really was. And Mesibabeth's countenance really showed what he was. And again, I believe your countenance shows who you are as well in your relationship with God. For all of my father's house, verse 28, were but dead men before my lord the king, yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I to still cry out any more to the king? He's basically saying that I know I should have been killed, but you allowed me to sit eat at your table all the time. So the king said to him, why do you speak any more of, of your matters? I have said you and Ziba divide the land. Now what this means is that you and Ziba go back. See, what had happened is when Ziba told David that Mishibbeth had rebelled against him, uh, David said... Okay, Ziba, from now on, all of Masibabeth's land, now yours. You just take it away from him and it's all yours when I, when I get back or when this gets figured out. Because David was angry. He, he thought Masibabeth, in fact, did, did traitor on him. So he said, you, you take it back. So when he said, now he says, you and Ziba divide the land. What he's saying there is he says, it goes back the way it was. You divide that back the way that it's supposed to be before Ziba will be over, he'll be your foreman again, and he'll pay you the profits off the farm. That's the way it's going to be from now on. So David restored back to him. Now, what is amazing here is David did not kill Ziba for his lying. Again, we see the mercy of David being exemplified in in the way that he rules. So the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, You and Ziba divide the land. Then Mesibabes said to the king, Rather, let him take it all. Inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace uh, to his own house. Uh, he's saying, oh, I just let him. And of course, that wasn't going to happen. But he was just saying, look, I didn't come down here to get anything back from you. I didn't come back here to get my land back. I came back here because you're king again. And that's why I'm rejoicing today. Well, then Barzillai came down from Rogelium, and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now, Brazili was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very rich man. And so when David was out on the land running from his son Absalom, um, this man was ba- basically bankrolling David and his army uh, because uh, he knew that what Absalom had done was not right. And the king said to Brazile, Come across with me, and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. Brazile said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? Today I'm 80 years old. Now, I don't know whether it was his birthday or he was just saying he's 80 years old in this time, but can I discern between good and bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women. Why then should I come and be your servant and be a further uh, be your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? So he's saying, look, I don't see very good anymore. I don't hear very good anymore. I don't even taste very good. So why should I come and be there and eat all this good stuff of yours? I can go home and eat it the same thing. You know, have you ever been sick and you could eat cardboard and it tastes just like pizza? I, I mean, I think we've all experienced that. Well, this is kind of what he's saying. He's saying, you know, I, I just um, kind of. Um, Uh, don't really, you know, I I love to go with you, but why should I be a burden to you? I'm old, I just want to go home. And so, your servant will go across the Jordan with you for a little ways, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city and be buried with the grave of my father and my mother. But here is your servant, uh, Chimham, who led him across uh, over with my lord, the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And the king said, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good uh, to you. Whatever you request of me, that I will do for you. Uh, Then the people went over the Jordan, and the king had crossed over, and the king kissed Brazili and blessed him and returned to his own place. It's interesting here that he went away with a blessing um, and, uh, you know, gave him a kiss on the cheek and send him away. Now the king went on to Gilgal and Chimham went on with him and all the people of Judah escorted the king, uh, also half the people of Israel. Now we're going to get into this a little bit more, half the people of Israel. So we know that Israel was a divided land because uh, because Absalom was very very convincing in telling everybody that David really didn't care about the land of Israel he was off on his own matters and so uh, you know and that's the way you usually do it you you always have to find you know there there always has to be a reason when you don't like somebody if you're going to try to take their position so you got to you got to make up stuff and this is exactly what uh, this is exactly what Absalom did and unfortunately even after David is coming back to power still half of Israel still believe that David was a rascal, and again, we go back to that that um, confrontation that arose being that they knew that uh, David was a man of of great power and, and military authority yet he ran from his own son so this is where a lot of the problems uh still are and in fact when we get into the next chapter uh it really becomes an issue because you actually have somebody that rises up as Absalom did and tries to rally the people to himself so verse forty one just uh, then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, Judah stolen you away and brought uh, the king, his household, and all of David's men with them across the Jordan? Uh, that means that uh, he was coming back. So the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relatives of ours, why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense, or have we ever uh, given, uh, given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king, therefore we also have more right to David than you. Why then do you despise us? Were we not the first to advise bringing back uh, our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Now, again, that was, gets back to that uh, situation of the two tribes of the south that always kind of hung out together and the ten tribes of the north. Well, it happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba. Uh, and he was a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, nor do we have any inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, so Israel." So basically, he was doing now the exact same thing that, um, that Absalom did. He's saying, we don't have any part of David. We're, we're out of here. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba. But the men of Judah from Jordan, as far as Jerusalem, remained loyal to their king. Now David came to the house of Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion... And supported them, but he did not go back into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death, living in widowhood. Now, again, this is because Absalom put a tent on the palace roof and defiled them in front of all of Israel. And so by David going back into his concubines again would have been that of, of uh, humiliation and degradation. So David just put him away. And the king said to Emesa, now, Emesa again was Absalom's former chief of command. Assemble the men of Judah for me for three days uh, and be present there yourself. So actually it appears here that now David is going to go after uh, the people of Israel because of their not embracing him as king. So Amasa went and assembled the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba will do more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue, them, uh, pursue him lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So in other words, lest he go and find people that believe in the rebellion that Absalom started that's now in, in, um, in Sheba's domain, go get it before he gets, gets reinforcements. So it says, Joab's men, with the Chathrilites, the Pelethites... And all the mighty men went out after him, and they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba. And when they, were, uh, when they were at the large stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in battle armor, and on, was, uh, on his uh, belt was a sword fastened in its sheath uh, at his hips, and he was going forward, uh, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand and he struck him with it in the stomach and his insides, his entrails poured out on the ground and he did not strike him again. In other words, the first strike was um, all that was needed. And it says his entrails poured out on the ground and uh, did not strike him a second time, thus he died. And so Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. But Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that the people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway uh, to the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted. So see... Those things that happen on the freeway is something people have been doing a long time. So everybody that went by saw Amasa laying on the road there. Now again, Joab was the commander of David's army. Then Amasa was put in his place. Now Joab kills Amasa. And you'll find that David winks at this. David does not respond to this crime, really, that that, uh, that he did. Now, again, Amasa... In Joab's mind, I'm sure, was a traitor. He came against David. He aligned himself with Absalom. And so Joab really had no use for him. And I imagine that probably Joab didn't know for sure if he would change heart in the middle of battle in pursuing um, Sheba and and who knows, maybe, maybe go on his side. So he didn't know, I think. And so anyhow, he was removed from the highway. All the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba. And when they went through all the tribes of Israel, from Abel to beth Maacah, they all gathered together, and they went after Sheba. And they came and besieged him in, in Abel of beth Maacah, and they uh, cast up a siege mound against the city. And they stood by the rampart, and all the people who were with Joab uh, battered the wall to throw it down. Verse 16 is a neat verse. Verse 16 is a neat verse. So if you've been sleeping, wake up. This is a good verse. You'll like this. Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Jacob, Come nearby that I may speak with you. Now, I think this is amazing to me, that ladies, a lot of times when men are goofy, ladies can actually make a great impact not only in your own personal life and in your family's life, but also in a city's life. Because if it wasn't for this woman, this city would have probably been destroyed. So you can see that a woman can do and is very important to not only the well-being of the family of God, as we find in the New Testament, but we also find the well-being of this city. Because if it wasn't for her, the city would have been destroyed. Because what they were doing is they were battering the, 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 the gates of the city down because they were going to come in and they were going to ramsack it looking for Sheba because they were out to kill this guy. This guy was in full blown rebellion against David. And, and so uh, they, they were battering the walls down. And this woman yells out and says, Hey, hear, hear. I got something I want to say. Now, look what she says. And so when Joab came to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I'm listening. And then she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely ask counsel at Abel, and so would end disputes. And I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother of Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab said, Far be it from me that I would swallow up or destroy That's not so. But the man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, by name, has risen his hand against the king, against King David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said to Joab, watch his head. We will be throwing it over the wall to you. (laughs) You might say this man was definitely beside himself. Well, anyway. Sorry about that. So you watch. His head will be thrown over the wall to you. Then the woman... Inner wisdom went to all the people. And they cut off the head of Sheba, threw it out to Joab. Then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man from his tent. So Joab returned uh, to the king at Jerusalem. By the way, that eliminated that rebellion. The people did that. So Joab was over all the army of Israel. Benaniah was over the Chephelites and the the, the Peleites. Uh, Adorim was in charge of the revenue. Jehoshaphat was the recorder. Shiva was the scribe. Zadok and Abathur were the priests. And Ira and Jarite were the chief ministers under David.
0: And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part 2 of the 1st and 2nd Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time. It's time.